0: For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi wild cherry also available in zero sugar. So grab a Pepsi wild cherry and get wild.
0: It's that time of year, everybody. You're probably looking for the most lightweight packable and reliable mobile hunting gear on the market. If you are look no further than Latitude Outdoors. Latitude aids in any hunter that is looking to get into saddle hunting, or mobile hunting in general, or for the guy or gal that has already experienced. Latitude offers saddles, climbing methods, platforms, ropes, dump pouches, knee pads, and much more. Let Latitude steer you to unfamiliar places while being efficient and lightweight in the process. For more information, head on over to latitudeoutdoors.com and save by using the code THEFALLPODCAST for 25% off your next purchase. New for 2023, Helix introduces its four-blade head, the FJ4. The FJ-4 broadhead takes the standard single bevel design blade that Helix is known for and adds two smaller bleeder blades that insert directly into the ferrule. Adding for an additional 1516th 16th cutting diameter from the original Helix broadhead consisting of the following sizes, 2-1-16th for 100 and 175 grain, 2-1-8th an for the 125 and 200 grain head, and 2 one and quarter for the 150 and 225. Improve blood trails and measure your recovery in seconds for the fall of 2023. Use the code FALLHX10 to save at helixbroadheads.com happy friday everybody it's another feel good friday episode episode 301 to be exact and uh i'm your host aaron blasey and on the other side here as always david riley or as dj we'd like to call him what's going on man Uh, finally uh finally get on here to do a little friday episode and uh you know we got the holiday weekend coming up
2: yeah yeah memorial day on top of that you know and it's it's one of those uh it's one of those holiday weekends where You know yeah we get to have a three-day weekend but when you really sit back and think about why we have this three-day weekend you know it you you know we all have to be so grateful and thankful for everyone that you know has paid the ultimate price and uh, basically allows us and our families to do what we do day in day out so it's it's always one of those it's it's a hard holiday you know what i mean because it, it's uh you know you enjoy some time with your fan, friends and family but uh when you start to think about why it's it's hard
0: yeah i just want to take a second just tell everybody out there thank you for your service if you have served and and everything because you know you hit the nail on the head it's it's uh guys and gals out there that have sacrificed a lot your brother-in-law being one dj he you know he served and um you know to all those people thank you very much to to do what you did to allow you know we hear you hear a lot of people say it a lot it's like you did you know you serve to allow us to to watch our saturday football games to do a podcast to do that kind of stuff and you know i think a lot of people myself included take it for granted sometimes and uh you know it's real easy to forget about it, but it's, uh, it needs to be easy just to take a step back and say, thank you to someone that has served. So, you know, thank you to everybody out there that you have, if you have served and, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's, it's a, it is a good holiday, but it's a great time to reflect and just really be thankful, honestly.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cause <clears throat> you know what, less than 1% of people actually signed that dotted line. So we need start to think about that and then the, like i said the ones that paid the ultimate sacrifice man it's 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 really crazy but actually this this memorial weekend i'll be out in colorado with my brother-in-law dj and uh we we're you know we're gonna have some uh, good time together you know probably have some drinks cook some good food and uh i'm actually you know gonna fly my bow out there and uh we're gonna do some archery shooting. you know because the following in two weeks it would be total archery challenge. So trying yep. to get trying to get every bit of prepared for that as we can
0: right now, for sure. And speaking of archery, just so happens that this week my buddy Kevin Gross he's been on the podcast before. He asked me if I wanted to shoot in a league this year. So making the jump, I'm I'm entering a league, a local league, uh, in the hunter class. So taking my hunting rig, it starts in July and uh, we'll run for 10 weeks. So I think that'll be a good tune-up going into into season, you know, for ten, Like, that's, you know, I've always been wanting to do that, but honestly with Peyton, you know, growing up and now she's to an age where, you know, it, it is like getting a little more self-sufficient and not so bad not being home. So one night a week, you know, to be able to go out into the course and shoot 25, 30 targets at some 3D stuff, you know, some elevated spots, some some on the ground and everything like that and just stay sharp it uh i think it's going to pay dividends and i'm i'm actually looking really f- forward to it honestly
2: yeah yeah you know it's i i like those leagues like that and man it's been years since i've shot on one um we used to have some stuff locally but now everything's kind of like that 30 plus minute drive where, you know the total archery challenge is fun but it's also like you know, you, you really leave your ego at the truck because the Total Archery Challenge is very unrealistic for uh, us tree stand and, and saddle hunters here in the Midwest, especially because it's kind of 50 and in for us, you know, here mm-hmm. at home. Where, but it's fun to do Total Archery Challenge, but the kind of course that you're going to go do league for, that's great practice. I mean, that that, that is perfect practice. And, and on top of it, if I know you and your buddies... I'm gonna guess there's maybe a little wager on the line for you know, oh, yeah. end of, end of the season. You know, maybe, maybe you guys come up with your own trophy or something.
0: There'll be something. There'll be definitely something, and uh, I'm not sure yet, but I think Zach might be getting into it too. Um, not positive, but if it's, if it's the three of us, there, there'd be some betting going on. I can oh, guarantee yeah. told you that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Cause it's a individual, uh, league, yeah. right? It's not a team.
0: Yeah. It's an individual, but you'll, we'll shoot together. Same night, same group, uh, go out there to shoot together. And I'm, there's a good possibility that I'm going to film it and film it as like a series and either put it on the fall podcast YouTube channel or do it on Latitude's YouTube channel. Well, that's what I'm probably going to do and put it on Latitude's YouTube channel just as a, it's going to be a funny deal. You know, I'm, I'm going to be like, I'm going to, I'm really going to try though. Like, you know, I, I really think <clears throat> looking at it now, it's one of those things that like, I want to, you know, those, those 10 weeks or, you know, two months or whatever it might be. Um, Leading up to season is like really when, in my opinion, I, I really want to hone in on, mm-hmm. you know, picking a s- small spot, hitting a, sp- you know what I mean? Like really, really focus and really dial it in. Uh, and that's going to be something different for me. Like I'm, I've always been the guy that, not always, but since, you know, last five years or so with, you know, with the new kid and stuff like that, it's really kind of hard to, to make time to shoot your bow. Um. But before that I shot all year I I really did and now it's like kind of getting back into that groove a little bit and you know not just shooting at home because shooting at home gets boring like yep. it really does it's like you know the, to me like I have a 3d target and I have a I have a block target and they stay in the same spot in the yard I never want to move them and it's just like it's just a hassle and you always, you know, it's a hassle for me to bring my bow out of the basement, to go upstairs, to shoot five arrows, shoot 10 arrows, and come back down. It's just like... It's cool that I've got to load up and go somewhere. Everything's set up, and it's a course. You know, you're gonna have some tricky shots. You're gonna have some tight spots. You can really kind of put yourself into the situation. And I'm gonna be putting the pressure on those boys. I'm gonna be, yeah. you know, blowing, blowing a little bit in their ear when they're at full draw. You know, and just like put a little wager on it. Make, make the heartbeat a little bit. I
2: think. <laughs> well, that was actually good. what I was gonna say is probably one of the best benefits for you guys is is to have that pressure have those mm-hmm. two guys or the one guy standing next to you know he's looking down the barrel at you basically and then if you're filming it all too you know what i mean we're gonna if you're showing the good the bad the ugly like that pressure is good and like you said like yes yeah, so we're all out in our backyard shooting we're trying to you know different yardages or different angles but it it only there's only so much you can do you know what i mean we're yep. When you finally do break away, even for the, that guy that only goes on the weekend, when you finally do break away and go shoot a three D course, it's like you you leave there and you're like, dude, I love that. That is so mm-hmm. fun compared to shooting in the yard. You know what I mean? Now you know now if you know if I had thirty targets sitting around the yard, that might be a little different, but that's not the case right now. <laughs>
0: yeah, I do, it'll be fun. I do,
2: yeah, I, I do like the the idea of filming it all, especially if uh, you know maybe before the the first week of league, if you guys almost have like a you know like a sh- a shorter uh, video of of how things are going to be laid out, what's what's on the line, you know what I mean, and you know how the scoring is going to work uh, for the targets. There is it thirty is it thirty target uh, shoot?
0: I believe it is. I I gotta go look back and um, they emailed me all the stuff today, and now I. I really can't remember, but I believe it is. Let me see here. It's yeah. either twenty-five or thirty. But there are some targets that are like, um, I've been out of the, I've been out of the whole art or the three D stuff for a while. I used to shoot indoor circuits in the winter and stuff like that. But there are going to be IBO scoring and universal scoring systems. It looks like there's going to be, um, it looks like twenty-four targets possibly. And okay. it looks like out of those twenty-four, there will be one, two, three, four targets that are universal scoring, and then the rest will be IBO scoring. So
2: yeah, that that'll be fun. I remember those. It's been years since I've shot any leagues, but like at the end of the year, they can They kind of have like a little banquet for everyone. You know, that's always they're having always an award time.
0: ceremony too. They're supposed to be places first, second, third get an award. But I think if it's me, Zach, and and. Uh, and, and Kevin and there might be our our other buddy Tom he might shoot as well we'll we'll, we'll put something on the line There'll <laughs> oh, be something. Yeah. no yeah.
2: Doubt, man. no man that's that's honestly such a fun thing you know like just the hazing and stuff afterwards you know target to target and and hopefully you know hopefully all you guys are shooting so well that that last week it comes down to like the the last few targets you know what I mean Like yep. by, by the by the end of uh by the very last week, you guys are all shooting so well. Next thing you know, like Zach just brings a you know bunch of line cutters out with them. <laughs> just oh yeah, big old arrows.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I'm thinking, and they'll probably listen to this podcast, but I'm thinking, you know, you know when we used to play slow pitch softball for men's league, there's always used to be like a third out hat. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know much about that. Like I don't. If, you, if you're the if you were the guy that made the the third out in the inning when you go back out in the field, you'd have to wear this funky hat. And every team would kind of come up with their own hat. It might be like a mullet or something like that, or it might be like a beer box or something, you know? So my whole thing is I think the loser, this is just shooting from the hip. I'll talk to these guys about it. But the loser has to wear a Halloween costume on one of their sits (laughs) in November and has to take a (laughs) picture, and then we get to post it wherever. I think that would be kind of neat.
2: Yeah, I like that's that's a good idea, man. That that's a good idea. <laughs>
0: in November, and uh, you know, up up in a tree, and wearing like a Santa Claus outfit or something. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh,
2: are are you calling it now? You will not lose this league.
0: I won't lose. No. Not losing. <laughs> no. I've never lo- I've never lost in a league that I've ever been in. Not saying I came in first in everyone, but never lost in a league, I won't lose. Yeah, yeah, I like
2: it, I like it. That and, the, you know, the confidence for all you guys would be high going into season, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. shoot, that many weeks like that, it's, you know, damn, it makes me wish I lived closer to you guys because I'd, I'd come join you for sure.
0: I know, yeah. If you lived a half hour closer, it'd make it a little better, you know?
2: Yeah, yep, yep.
0: So oh, no. today, today we got, you know, this is episode 301, and today we're going to be talking about... um about summer basically summer trail cam stuff you know it could be strategies could be you know anything i got a list of questions for you um but basically how i want to do this is i i want to break it down as far as like the different things that we hunt you know we we hunt uh i don't know I, i say ag we do hunt ag but like there's so many different types of ag and when i'm we're gonna break it down to like ag as far as like the stuff i hunt is is small lag. I mean, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say small, like small wood lots. Everybody knows that fence rows. Cause my approach is a little different when it comes to that. When I'm, and when I'm starting to set cameras here in in the summer and, and it's different from there to like the big wood stuff. Um, yeah. so like breaking it down in those, uh, categories, but also I got, I got some questions for you if you were to travel out of state and what you're going to do there. So, um, probably nothing groundbreaking, but there might be, there'll be some good things to take out of this, uh, for sure. Yeah. I think yeah so. and
2: ex- especially cause you know, for a lot of guys, like we were talking before that Memorial weekend is kind of like the kickoff to summer whitetail work. And, and I think for most guys, the majority of their summer whitetail work is, you know, revolved their trail cameras. So I think it's, it's a great time to talk about the topic. And, uh, you know, when you said that about the farm ground thing, like you kind of hunt small farm ground or whatever, Where it's like, I actually think you hunt big farm ground because the farm ground that you're hunting is larger than like the woodlots that you actually get to hunt, you know? So that's, it's a different animal up there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I guess what I meant by that is just, there's just little, I mean, not a lot of trees I get to hunt, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a different, um, I feel like there's a lot A lot of the scouting stuff goes around that you hear about is is you know swamp based or hill country based i feel like you don't get a lot of that ag stuff i mean true like like you said big ag but small woodlots you know and i really want to dive a little deeper into that and you know and because there's definitely a strategy to it there's a couple different i mean there's total so many different ways to skin a cat but Um, there's definitely a strategy to it and it's just like hunting hill country, you know, as far as like strategies and how to go about it. Um, I just don't think it gets talked about that much. I think, uh, I think it's kind of the redhead stepchild of the hunting world, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. And
2: I, I, you know what, Aaron, I, I think you have a great point, you know, because, you know, when it comes to, you know, swamp hunting, which is a lot of what I do, then, you know, you hear a lot of hill country or open type of country terrain, you know, with, a lot of the hunting that you do, um, I have a little bit of mix of that down where I'm at, but I don't think I have quite as much as you do, where it's not like, you know, you're not going to go in there and spend days on end trying to figure out five acres, right? Like it's, you can kind of get in there and, and figure it out in a day and there's not not a lot to the five acres, but what I always think that it's, it's so overlooked is the balance of being our natural aggressive style of hunting, but also having a tippy toe in making sure like all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed because like one wrong mistake in those little woodlots, it's over with and it may be over with for the season because it Mm -hmm. does not take much because he can go these bucks and that kind of farm country, they can be woodlot A to B, and if you bump them on both of those they may go to sea, but guess what? Sea's, you know, two square miles away and you can't even hunt over there. So it, right. being really, really dialed in with knowing exactly where they are in those little woodlots, it, you know, how you're going to hunt them, even your trail camera strategy, like that, all that is so important, you know, because there may be trail camera locations in there that you think are absolutely dynamite, but guess what? If you can't get in there and out of there without spooking those deer, they're not worth a darn. So sometimes mm-hmm. those strategies have to be, you know, you have to peel them back a little bit, not so aggressive.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. There's big things going on right now at Exodus. If you've been eyeing Exodus products for a while now, you're in for a treat. In celebration of their eight-year anniversary of trailblazing the trail camera marketplace, Exodus is offering an exclusive campaign for you. Starting May 19th, you'll save 25% off the entire Exodus website. That's right, the entire website. With a deal this great, Exodus will only be offering these savings for the first 300 Exodus renders and 300 rivals. The good news is, if you miss out on these savings, you can lock in 25% off the entire site until June 12th while supplies last. All you have to do is use the code tf that is for the fall tf is the code at checkout to unlock your savings don't forget that it's code tf in case you need to become more familiar with what exodus has to offer let me tell you about some of my favorite products they offer the og the exodus render their flagship cell camera powered by the verizon 4g lte technology boasts lightning-fast transmission times, making it one of the fastest in the industry. Plus, it's incredibly user-friendly and dependable, ensuring the products work flawlessly when it matters most. You can save up to $125 when purchasing the Exodus Render Security Bundle using the code TF. That's right, $125. When purchasing the exodus render security bundle using code tf and if you're looking for a budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality check out the exodus rival with our exclusive code tf you can grab the excellent camera for under 140 dollars backed by exodus's renowned five-year no bs warranty this new camera is simple reliable and dollar for dollar one of the best cameras on the market take advantage of these limited savings and remember you'll always be backed by the 5-year No-BS Warranty, meaning they stand behind their products for the long haul. On top of that, they offer 5-year Theft and Damage Coverage, providing you with peace of mind. Take advantage of these limited savings, and remember, you'll always be backed by the 5-year No-BS Warranty, meaning they stand behind their products for the long haul. On top of that, they offer a 5-year Theft and Damage Coverage, providing you with peace of mind. And let's remember, their best best-in-class customer service to solve any issue or hiccups that arise. Over the past eight years, Exodus has consistently proven its commitment to building high-quality, reliable products that flat-out work when it matters most. Join the Exodus family today and experience the difference for yourself. Head over to ExodusOutdoorGear.com and be sure to take advantage of some of the very best savings of the year while supplies last by using the code TF. By using the code TF, you're directly supporting the show and our friends at Exodus. Link in the show notes as well. It's a good point, and I, 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 I'm I, a firm believer in that. You know, there's, there's been times where I've had a deer living on me, and I know a guy that, that hunts a mile and a half away, and all of a sudden I lose him, and he starts picking him up, and he stays on him the whole fall, and I'm like, then he finds his shed, and I'm like, okay, you know, am I, at did I bump him out of there or did I, you know, is, am I just at the, the end of his range or, or whatnot? In in uh, deer can go so far, you know, it's like mm-hmm. when I think of a mile and a half away, I'm like, man, people don't take vacations that far, you know, but really a deer could do that in an evening, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if he's got a reason to do it. Um, and then it's just figuring out how he's getting, from point A to point B and then point C, you know, and it's just crazy. Uh, The thing about like the ag stuff that I hunt, you know, you really got to think outside the box because deer use different terrain and different features. Like I've seen, you know, there's a lot of hay bales around here and wrapped hay bales and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And it might align a field that is, you know, three quarter or a quarter mile long or a half mile long deer will use those like crazy, you know, for cover you know and and for edge essentially you know it's just like thinking outside the box and and don't overlook anything literally don't let any stone go unturned in in the country in the in the farm country that I hunt it's like you have to look at it all in my opinion
2: yeah dude you know when you say that it, this comes up to in my mind and I see this a little bit around some of the areas I hunt where it's it's pretty flat. But all of a sudden, if you, if you add in just like a little low spot or almost like an old waterway or an old ditch through, it could cut right through, you know, middle of 120 acres of row crop, but there could be a little buffer through there that they're, they can't plant. But if you watch, it's a little bit lower than the elevation of all the row crop. And man, like... When the when the crops are off, it doesn't look like much at all, right? It looks plain as day. But when the crops are on, even you know, even the soybeans, you start getting good soybean growth, and all of a sudden, even in those lower waterways, man, they can travel right through those, and no one can even see those animals in there. Mm-hmm. There's no trees, no nothing, man. And if you know, sometimes it, I think if you get a trail camera, say, um, you and I actually recently have talked about this put a trail camera on like one of those stakes and just monitor it and I think you'd be surprised at how many animals are traveling those just those little bit lower elevations in those fields and I think there's a lot of actually nighttime bedding going on in there because a lot of times they have a lot of like plush grass and stuff in there that that's a that's a great spot to be able to monitor and watch you know bucks or any kind of deer period all summer long.
0: Yeah, and I know exactly what waterway you're describing right now. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, when I saw it, it made made me smile. Like, Mm -hmm. I love stuff like that. And But the thing is, is, you know, some of those little terrain features and some of those features, you know, to me, in a lot of hill country or big wood settings, when you might have, let's just say, like a saddle or a pinch or, you know, inside corner or whatever it might be something some train base that makes the deer funnel through there um and a lot of times you can count on the deer doing that repetitively in daylight hours if you're in the right spot now farm country stuff you know you might have a little sliver of timber that comes up to a main road and a deer like to travel that and kind of go across the road into a drainage or into you know, another little patch of, of timber or something like that, or a sliver. And what I mean that, like, I'm saying like you could hit a golf ball through the, the, the fence row, you know, it's not like it's a big wooded fence row, but, but you really can't count on that being as true as in like a big wood setting. You know what I mean? Like that is probably a hundred percent, uh, after dark movement, they're using it, but you can't just look at it and be like, I'm going to set up here. Cause I know they come through here a lot. Yeah, they do, but it's all dark more, you know? So then, then you got to cast a wider net. And if you don't have permission on that wider net that you have to cast, you are SOL. You know what I mean? So you really got to hone in on those little pockets and those little things that like, not every woodlot is a good woodlot and not every fence row is a good fence row. Not every drainage is a good, is a good drainage. And honestly, if you don't get the crop rotation you want, you could be SOL as well for a year or or two, you know, it's just, it's so touchy and it changes, it changes constantly, you know. Um, there was a farmer planting some fields today around some of the areas I can hunt and I'm like, I hope he's planting corn because then when it's corn, boy, oh boy, it is on and I know it's going to be on. So yeah, we'll see, man. I, it's just, I, it just I think, so touchy.
2: Yeah. I, I think you nailed it, Aaron. And I think the food the food and farm country is arguably one of the, the biggest dictators, especially for October and early season. I mean, when when you've been playing the game long enough, you can start figuring out what woodlot is hot and not hot based on basically the the row crops that are right outside of it, you know. And it's, it's funny because then not only could the food dictate how, you know, if a good buck's using, you know, woodlot A, but the food, you know, depending on if it's corn or beans, is also going to dictate dictate how good your access could be in there. We hear all the time about guys, you know, accessing deep into a swamp or, you know, accessing from the top or the bottoms in hill country. But you want to talk about hard access? Farm country and these little woodlots, when these, these animals are bedded not only to the you know a smell advantage but sometimes more than anything a sight advantage and like you sometimes you just can't get even close you can't even get it within a hundred yards of a woodlot because they're they're right there on the edge watching you know what i mean where a lot of times i think you you're looking you're scouting these woodlots and said well it's way too open for a deer to be holed up in here i've done it i've this is this is me learning from a mistake i'm like there's there no way deer are holing up in here, but I'm like, geez, the sign sure is here. Maybe I should mm-hmm. put a trail camera in here to find out. Put yeah. a trail camera in there, and it's like, place is lit up with bucks all October. All October. Daylight, a three and a half year old buck, in this particular woodlot, daylighted 19 days of the 31 in October. And all I could figure out, once I rescouted after the season, and, and seen all that trail camera information, was, Yes it was open, but he used that to his advantage like he, he you could not step in there and without him blowing out. It was just he he had that spot just dialed right up you know what I mean you got to go kill yeah. that deer somewhere else an adjacent woodlot you know but it, would would you say it's safe to say on these these little woodlots and this little woodlot big farm country kind of hunting that you think these deer like their home core areas are sometimes larger, than deer that, you know, live in uh big cover kind of country?
0: A hundred percent. And I see it on a daily basis. Or I shouldn't say daily basis. On a yearly basis. Um just because I have buddies that hunt within a a good clip from me and we get the same deer. You know, mm-hmm. I I've got um a buddy that's two and a half miles away that has, you know, regularly gotten deer that I've got on camera. Yeah. And, you know, so it's like I see it like two, two, two and a half miles is that's a good clip, man. uh, That's, that's a big range in my opinion. But the thing is they have to move. They have Mm -hmm. to. And, you know, uh, recently there's been some neighboring dogs on a piece of farm or a piece of, a piece of ground I can hunt. Um, two dogs that are just running rampant, Mm -hmm. even, you know, all spring, all winter, They're not on a leash. They're not, you know, and they're not house dogs. They just, they're all over, you know, and they, they bounce, I watch them. They bounce woodlot to woodlot. And it's like, how much can deer take of that? I don't care if it's in the spring, winter, fall, summer, whatever. The deer is not going to take much of that. You know what I mean? So that, that is, that is an X factor or whatever. Not, not a good thing. An X factor isn't like, you know, X factor is not a good term for it. That that's just one of those unwanted things that just unnecessary things that doesn't need to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm okay with the the farmer coming back on his tractor with his dog and maybe his dog might push the deer out of there or something like there once or twice or whatever. That's that's one thing. But when you got dogs going into woodlots and just pushing deer out like crazy and you see a dozen deer go out, it's like, man, that sucks. You know? So that's another thing. Not to mention coyotes, not to mention You know, anything else like those are just unwanted things that just push deer all over. And that might happen to them twice. And in my opinion, they're not going to come back. You know, a lot of people might be like, well, that 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 situation worked for them. They got away from danger. Yeah. But how many canine dogs are getting deer? You know, know, like they're going to get away, you know, so I really don't think a deer in a situation like that is like thinking in his head, well, that worked for me. You know, I'm going to go back in there for me If I'd be like, I'm going to find until I don't get pushed anymore. You yeah. know, I don't know.
2: Yeah. Well, and when you talk about, you know, like say some of the deer that you and your buddies have kind of been on in that two and a half mile mark, I've seen them around that same, some even around that three, where they're not just wandering for two and a half miles to places they don't know. Like they, they know these areas, you know, like Mm -hmm. when they, when they're two and a half miles away, they know exactly where they're going. It's like, you ever, you ever seen a deer just kind of, you know, all of a sudden he pops up in that three to four day window every year on a scrape. Like he knows that's there. You know what I mean? That, and what, what is, what is so crazy to me about these little wood lots? So, and this is where I think it's it's all it's been so important to you the glassing game is if you are not staying how you say it, like if you're not staying up to date with what deer is where, you could go hunt a woodlot and there night there there might not be a single whitetail in that thing. Not at mm-hmm. all. They and there may not be one in there for the next five days where you, you have to have like, you know, people listening to this or you know we just were talking about this on episode uh 300 about MRI you know this kind of this style of hunting MRI is is so important and when I say MRI it's most recent information um that that glassing you know even even cell cameras like they're they're so important because you can be completely out of the game but if you if you glass one going into the mornings. Like you've done before. You glass them going in the mornings. Boy, you feel awfully good about your game plan that evening.
0: Yeah. No, I a hundred percent. And also, you know, glassing's one thing, and I'll be I'll be straight up honest with you. It's um, you know, I do use soaker cameras uh in these little wood lots, but you know, A lot of the ones that I've hunted year in and year out, the soaker cameras, I think I've gained enough intel on them now to where I really don't need them just because they're, they're not that big, you know? So now I still put cameras in there. They might be cell cams. They might be soaker cameras or whatnot. Um, Honestly, the last couple years, I haven't relied too heavily on cameras like I had in the past. You know what I mean? It's, um... I have a love hate with them. I do. It's because it's like, man, you know, you might get a couple pictures here and there, even with cell cameras. And if it's not showing you what you want, it's very discouraging. You know what I mean? It's for anybody. It's very discouraging. Um, you know, but I am utilizing cell cams in these little woodlots just so I know I'm not blowing deer out, you know, um, just because you, in my opinion, you have to treat them, uh, even more delicate than you do in like a big wood setting i've bumped deer good deer in a big wood setting and they've been back the next day or the day after in ag stuff that's that's not the case for me like you bump them then it gets shot by the neighbor and or i just don't see them again um so you really gotta you really gotta handle them with delicate hands to be honest with you and and um the good thing is now I've got a grasp on a lot of the stuff that I hunt that like, even if I didn't need to run cameras in there, I don't have to like, I've got some historical scrapes that just like, I just know the time frame I need to be in there and I glass so much from a distance that really I could go in the year without having to use cameras. And I'd feel just fine, just yeah. fine with it. If you've been a listener of the podcast, you know, that I'm a huge fan of Garmin products, none bigger than the A1 series, bow sights. I've been shooting a Garmin bow sight since 2019 and in my opinion hands down makes you better in the moment of truth. For the past two seasons I've shot the A1i Pro and my favorite feature of that sight is the confidence it gives you when I'm at full draw on a shooter buck and the moment just slows down. It helps the moment slow down in my opinion. No more movements of grabbing your rangefinder and ranging once, twice, twice three times, and then moving your dial to the correct yardage. Or for the fixed pin hunters trying to gap shoot, just go to full draw, hit the range button, and make every shot count. If you wanna learn more about Garmin bow sights, head over to Garmin.com.
1: at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off.
0: After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch?
1: But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online.
2: yeah your your glassiness is, is become extremely deadly in that kind of in that with that game but you've learned that you know what i mean like that's 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 taken some years of learning that but i where i do think that that trail cameras could be uh beneficial for for someone is let's just say someone's starting from scratch they just move two states away and they're hunting that exact kind of terrain that you know small wood lots big farmland type of train is running maybe some cameras in there for, you know, all, it's hard because the crop rotations, you know, like when we were growing up, it was always kind of beans, corn, beans, corn, also wheat, beans, corn. We're like, that's the kind of information you'd want is what's it like on a bean year? What's it look like on a corn year? Right. Mm-hmm. And you have that information now. So like that, that's all stored right in the back pocket. We're good to go with that. So whenever you see them planting, whatever it may be this year, you feel confident with, you know, what those deer should be doing in there. You're just going to check it and make sure that's exactly what's happening. Where if someone was brand new starting in an area that, that would probably be pretty beneficial to try to learn that historical data with what crop rotation and how the deer are using, what would lot according with, to the food in the area at that time.
0: Yeah. And, and let's you know we we told told everybody we we're going to talk about cameras and, and summer strategies and stuff like that so let's get into that a little bit okay. like let's let's start talking about ag and how I, I guess I'll just start with kind of how my approach is with the ag ground um, let's let's take David's hypothetical as as if you are rolling into a new area you you got permission on it and let's let's just say it's you know 10 acre woodlot you have permission to hunt and uh, and a lot of ag ground, big ag. My let let's let's just say for the the sake of of the situation, it's mainly flat. You know, there's really not a not a ton of big terrain change, and um, and it's and it's more on that higher like higher pressure area. Could be a Michigan, could be like a Ohio, uh, maybe Ohio, but like a Michigan, PA, Wisconsin types like that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go into this 10 acres first, right off the rip, even this time, like May, June, um, if I couldn't get in there in the spring, you know, and if I did get in the spring, it's going to be the same kind of approach. First, I'm going to identify the, the heaviest cover in it. Okay. I'm going to try to find out where the heaviest cover is. And the thing is, with small ground like this, it's so micro. It could be, it literally could be 15 yards by 15 yards. It could be just like a little pocket, a little micro pocket. More than likely, that's going to be what they're going to um, use as their bedding, more than likely. I'm going to try to find that cover, and then I'm going to stem out from there. Where is there, any, is there any mass crop? Is there any acorns, white or reds, anywhere in there? You're going to find probably in a given area, you're probably going to find, let's just say, at least a dozen scrapes. And a lot of those are probably going to be on the field edge. I ex-nay the field edge scrapes completely out. They don't mean anything to me. They are not going to get hit, in my opinion, at the time, unless there are, you know, a crop on that that is going to allow you to that early season. So for the sake of being, you're going to find a couple scrapes, I'm going to say in in the 10 acres, you have to find the best one. You have to find the one that is the the best looking branch the, you know, might not necessarily not the biggest scrape, but you got, it's, it's got to look historical. It's got to, you know, it's got to have that feel. The licking branch is going to tell you a ton. It really is. And the damage is done on that. I'm not just talking about a little twig broke off. I'm talking about the whole branch broke down and it's just work. You can tell that is your primary, more than likely that is your primary scrape. I'd put I'd be putting a soaker camera on it. I'd be putting a cell cam on it, yada, yada. Then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to formulate where the bedding is and the food is and try to try to try to create some sort of triangle shape in a way. Um, if, if it allows it to, from the food to bed to, to the scrape, um, and then find your access. If, if, if you only have one or two access points in the farm, it kind of, kind of sucks, but like work on your access as well. But, uh, that scrape is probably, in my opinion, that's where I'm going to hunt them, uh, hundred percent of the time. In a little woodlot like that, um, situational dependent, but you know, just about 100% of the time that scrape is where I'm going to spend most of my time if I can get in and get out of there with the right wind. And uh, that's that's kind of in a nutshell, 30,000 foot view. That's how I'm going to do that. But I'm going to I'm going to put to go back to the the, the trail cam thing. I'm going to put some forehead gland on that scrape whenever I find it. Let's say it's spring or even now in May. I'm going to put forehead gland on it. I'm going to rip the dirt up. If the branch needs any you know, conditioning, I will do that. If it doesn't, I won't touch it. And then I'm just going to let the camera soak in there. And then I literally will not go back until September, close to September, if I need to pull the card. Or I'm going to know if it's a cell cam, I'll know I'll be getting pictures. So that's kind of my approach to that.
2: Yeah, that that's a great approach, man. I I I really like it because it's it's a lot of what I would do. <clears throat> when I hear that scenario, I can tell you though, ten years ago, my thought wouldn't have been that though. My my trail camp strategy would have been more like, oh, I'm going to put it on the edge of this, you know, on the edge of the the woodlot, cover to where the food is, and you know say if that would have been beans i would have been looking for like an inside corner or you know a spot where the the farmer couldn't plant real well so it's a little bit open or even a low spot like that was always that was always my good go-to 10 years ago and that was great for inventory but that's about all that was good for Mm -hmm. and i quickly started learning that you know i could not only get inventory but i also could have a possible kill location and historical data locations on these scrapes just like you talked about and a lot of times you can find these scrapes is let's say a guy's trying to go out right now and find something like that where now we have green up right so the signs a little bit harder to find but there's really good trails that are in these little woodlots that come and go to the food sources there's not any grass growing on those those things are will be like highways right now and what i find a lot is you'll have multiple trails and they will kind of come to a junction okay an x a y uh three or four trails all coming together now when you can have all those trails coming together just outside of that bedding you know basically kind of where they like the first location they like to stage that's when you're probably gonna find that scrape that you're talking about. And if there isn't one, you can pretty much bet your ass David's gonna make one right there because (laughs) I want I want, you know, not only for my drill camera, I mean you you've seen some of these drill camera pictures. They're they're these are nice pictures. You know, not only am I going to get the animal to stop to be able to identify what animal it is, but next thing you know, it's like it's in the middle of summertime and we got these bucks. They're using these scrapes July, June, July, August. We're like, they're being conditioned to using it. And it's kind of teeing it up right away for opening week of season. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a no brainer strategy. So you're not only getting inventory, you're conditioning these bucks. And if it's all set up correctly, this is a spot that you could hunt opening week. That's always mm-hmm. kind of the goal. You know, it early on in my hunting days like it was always let's just see what bucks are out here and then I'll try to hunt them and that would work but then when you you really have a strategic plan for a trail camera and then you have all these other trail cameras kind of doing the same thing in different areas other farms different properties that's when it they can start really paying dividends for you but the one thing that you said in there that's really really important is being patient on checking these trail cameras because man I tell you what I get it it is fun it is so much fun to see these bucks in velvet in the summertime but when you got that trail camera working and working properly and doing everything it's supposed to do working for you, let that thing just sit in there and do its job and you know whether it's a cell cam then it's going to send you pictures but if it's an SD card, just let that thing sit in there all summer. These batteries and cameras are good enough now. You can go out there and put it in June and July, and that thing's going to run all the way up until hunting season, no problem, as long as there's nothing blowing in front of it. And you slip in there on the right day, like maybe maybe you glass a buck, leave. He's not bedding in there that particular day. You go in there and check that camera and get the information, what winds, what days, what cloud cover, whatever it may be. You go in there and get that information, then you can maybe strike on opening day. One of the things you have to be watching, though, is the the food sources on the outside. You know, Ohio. I think the situation called for Ohio. Ohio opens up at the end of September. You're, you're borderline are the beans changing or they're not changing. You know, so it's that's that's all it's something to keep in uh, keep in mind also. But I think that is that is my go to. You know, I mean, it, there's. Mm-hmm. There's inventory cameras, there's early season, you know, first week of the season kill kind of cameras and there's soaker cameras. But if you, if you ask me in all three of those, they all have a, a, you know, a common denominator and it is scrapes because t- telling you, they use them all year round, all year.
0: Well, and I'm going to go a little farther. You said, you mentioned inventory. So I have a, I have a situation and I've had this situation in twice and two different Areas that I've hunted an ag, okay. Uh like you said, the ag that I hunt is big, okay. So in a state like Michigan, when you cannot put bait or mineral or attractant, anything like that out, and it's like, okay, how what are some ways that you can get some inventory on them? I have found a junction, like you said. It's a junction. It is where three let me think, one. Two, three. It is where three fence rows, three fields, meet each other. And there's about a dozen crabapple, thorn, just shit trees that kind of are out in the middle of nowhere where this comes together. I've been putting a camera on the same tree for, well, oh, this will be year um, seven. Seven seven, I think, seven or eight years. I think this would be year seven. And every year there is a scrape that the deer, it's not like a big scrape by any means. The branches on this crab apple tree are just overhanging. They love to come up to it and just, I mean, every deer hits it. And I put a camera on there. I put it on video mode. It's a soaker camera. And I literally, I have to put a soaker camera because so many deer hit it. It just, runs my cell cam in the dirt basically Mm um it just sounds like it just makes it like the batteries are just they never last and like you know it's just one thing or another just like there's so many deer that hit it and so uh, that one camera right there will pick up if not all the bucks in the surrounding areas that i know i'm talking surrounding areas i'm talking two mile sections it will get every buck that i need on it in the summer. Okay. One camera I can do that on. And that's happened to me twice. Um, if you can find that right junction and literally it's just a little landmark that, you know, makes three fence rows come together right there. And it's just the deer like to go to these little landmarks. It's, you know, about 12 trees out in the middle of nowhere. And, uh, they go by there. I don't care if they're dark pictures. I'm never going to hunt them right there. I don't Mm -hmm. cause it's out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, I've never had an opportunity to be able to hunt them because you can definitely tell once the velvet comes off and like middle of September starting to come around, the pictures start dwindling down and then I can just go pull that camera and it's just done until the next summer. You know what I mean? so, and the great thing about it is I could go and check that camera every day of the summer if I want. And the deer will come back because I'm literally in the middle of three fields, you know Um, it's so far from, you know, the closest woodlots probably, you know, I'm going to say six to 800 yards away. That's just to the closest woodlot. And if you can find a scenario like that, um, you know, it, it's crazy how those little, those little pockets can, can pull deer, you know, and, and if you have beans, you know, if you have beans that year, it's even better because the deer just like to or corn, you know, corn's good too. Cause it, it's, it has cover, but, uh, if you can find one of those little hubs like that, you know, that a lot of deer like to travel through, one camera can do a lot of damage in the summer. Yeah. A <clears throat> couple
2: questions on that. Now, that that uh, that crabapple tree where the scrape is, is that, you know, you look at that situation, is it basically just it's in their face where they almost have no choice, but, like, they're, they're going to rub their foreheads on it. They're going to maybe work it around a little bit. Is that what's happening right there?
0: Yeah, it's right in their face, and it's... Um, they have, they have to touch it. They mm-hmm. do. Yeah, yeah, they have to. And wow. I go in there cause there's a lot of ton of weeds in there, like real tall, that tall green grass. I'll mm-hmm. go in there the first, when I put the camera out, usually I'll put them around right around July 4th and I'll go in there with the weed whip. I'll take the weed whip back there and I'll brush cut the whole thing. And usually that'll last cause I, I have, I can't get the camera up and face it down. It has to be about belly button height facing out. Um, just because the crab apple, it's, it's, you'd have to, you'd basically have to cut the whole side of the tree out just to get a camera up in there. And I really don't need to do that. So.
2: Yep. Yep. And you made a great point about talking about the, the nighttime pictures where you know, every camera has their own place. And like, you, you know, that that, that location, that is a great inventory. Inventory spot, you know, where it's like, hey, I don't need to hunt here. All the pictures are at nighttime, but it's telling me what bucks are in the area. Now I'm curious for maybe someone that's kind of just kind of get into, you know, the trail camera stuff in the summertime and uh they hear a story like this. Now, how did you find A location like this did you find it in the off season were you glassing one time or were you just seeing a lot of tracks you know running parallel with those tree lines or how exactly did you find that
0: honestly it was inspired by illinois it was a it was a spot in illinois we had um on a lease that we had we had a lot of that like same kind of scenario but in illinois it was like two big oak trees out in the middle of nowhere And it seemed like every time we were driving around glassing, there'd be deer underneath that oak tree, you know, because they're eating acorns or, you know, it was kind of brushy in there and they had some overhanging branches and it was kind of inspired by that. So then immediately when you look out there, you can see it's kind of like an island and you kind of want to go like take a peek at it. And when I went out there the first time, I'm like, it's tore up. As far as like, like I said, there was grass. There's like tall grass right there. You can see runways, you know, intersections coming like through through them or through that grass and then you can just see a bare spot and honestly when the farmer plants the crops the crops never grow in that spot and it's it's not it's not like a truck size hood but it's you know it's pretty decent size they they will clear the crops out of that little area and they just paw at it paw at it and I'll put some forehead gland in it you know what I mean and just kind of makes them go a little more crazy I don't have to do anything to that limb. Honestly, the the farmer that comes by and he hits it with the tractor will break some of the limbs, mm-hmm. and it just I just let I just leave it be, you know, and put some forward gland on it, put a camera up, and roll it. And um, but yeah, I was kind of inspired by a spot in Illinois where I was like, man, I got something like that at home. I'm just gonna try this. Put a camera up. The first year I put a camera up, man, this is no bull crap. The first ten days that I had, or not the first ten days. I'm sorry. It would have been in, this would have been by end of August, middle of end of August, I had 10 bucks over Pope and Young hit hitting this 10, 10 bucks over, over Pope and Young. We're talking in Michigan now, seven of them left <laughs> because it's just like the pulling is, yeah. you know, it's crazy. But I was like, holy crap, like I, I'm onto something here, you know, and it's, it was, it was pretty cool.
2: Well, it's what I love about it is that you use the, you know, you've seen some success in a different, you know, situation and applied it to your situation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And the, and sometimes you can't help but look at that, you know, or or hear that story and go, "Man, was I overlooking that for, you know, a couple of years?" I mean, we we think about that stuff a lot, you know, and what I like also is that, you know, you were kind of talking about those those tree lines and That is, that's, that's one major thing in farm country that if you watch, you know, a lot of the animals, raccoons, you know, squirrels, even the turkeys, a lot of times, like, especially when they're crossing roads, they work from tree line to tree line. Now, is it because of, you know, they're tighter to cover? Possibly. But I tell you what, I, you know, you get out in a sea of, you know, beans or a sea of corn or cattails I mean, call me crazy, man, but I, sometimes I think these white tails use them as like landmarkers that, that be able to kind of tell where they're at, especially.
0: Yeah. You,
2: you, they get themselves out in a, you know, hundred acres of, of corn, you know, and it's, it's get, just getting up to their head and where you can just see their head above it. And all of a sudden, you know, they can look around and they can, they can see that swale over there or that tree line. It's, I, I really, especially in, you know, where cattails in farm ground, all meet like a woodlot or something. I, I really think they use that stuff as a landmarker.
0: I'm back again with some codes to help you save on some great outdoor products. If you're looking for a new bow, go try out the new RevX from Prime at g5prime.com. And if you're looking for a new custom string to go with the new bow or an existing bow, go to AmericasBestBowstrings.com and use the code TheFall to save some money. Lastly, but certainly not least, I know you're probably looking for some arrows. So go to methodarchery.com, check out their custom arrows, use their arrow builder, build out your arrows and use the code fall10 to save on your next purchase. It is spring and I'm gonna be doing some turkey hunting in a buck bourbon rack house, 300 plus ground blind. They have the patented one way mesh window so the critters can't see you while you're doing your backstrap ballet just before you go to full draw. They also offer the saloon style spring door for added room while trying to enter and exit the blind. Everyone's done in a time or two. Your pack gets hung up on the top of the door or the zipper alerts a roosted gobbler in the tree above. No more of that. Buck Bourbon has made the door bigger and eliminated the zipper. So let Buck Bourbon help you in the aid of getting your next trophy. Check them out at buckbourbon.com and use the code TFP20 to save on your next purchase. Yeah. And I do want to say on the flip side. So I found another one of, of these little like hubs and I thought it was going to be even better and it two, but it was two fence rows. It was like a T corner basically. Um, and there were some mature oaks in the corner and it made two inside corners. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm like, man, you know, I could see it from the road. Didn't have permission on this piece And then finally for a couple years and finally I was able to go into this piece and uh, I've been glassing it from the road and I knew it was there. So I'm like, I'm going to go in and and check this out. It's the first place I went to, went to it, huge scrape right there. And this was in the spring, huge scrape. I'm like money. This is copy and paste. Boom. This is going to be perfect. And there was actually some oak trees, but they were more, they were, they were not red or white. They were like, uh, it was a burr oak pretty sure it was a baroque um i think baroque's the one with the fuzzy isn't it yep. the fuzzy yep uh, yes it's exactly what it was the baroque and um so i'm like great i'm gonna put up a camera right here there's a junction there's and there's runways coming through there i hardly ever and it was beans in all three fields okay there's three fields two fence rows right there there's a field to the south a field to the east and a field to the west All of them were beans, okay? And these fence rows that we're meeting right here were way more prominent than the fence. What I mean by that is there's more timber in them uh, than the one that I've been getting all the bucks on. And put a camera there. Could not get a good buck in in the summer. Could not. And I'm like, what the hell? But I'll tell you what, come October 18th, 19th, 20th through November 5th, hold on to your hat. Mm-hmm. Cause that's where they're at. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The only kicker was in those areas in a high pre. this is for high pressured States. Okay. Cause in a spot like Illinois, Kansas or Iowa, I would sit my ass in this inside corner and I would hunt there and you'd kill a big deer. Now on a pressured state, just, it's just not like that. You got to treat them a little differently. Okay. There wasn't security cover around them. And I think that was the biggest, biggest factor. You really have to find a deer midday in these areas. And it's a lot of hope. He comes by here and that one day that you, hopefully you're there, he will be there and it'll be about 11 o'clock or noon, you know, and that's what happened. I mean, there wasn't, it was really hard to, to pick up on a pattern as far as like a deer going back to bed or going to check a, check a bedding area or something like that. It was, it was the midday movement, man. And that's when it was happening. It was just, that was hard for me to capitalize on because I couldn't hunt a lot of middays. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? It's just like, um, but it's just one of those situational things. And this year when I put a camera on it again, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm going to put a soaker camera on it in the summer here coming up. And I'm going to just monitor that again. And if it, I got a feeling it's not going to turn on again until later in October. Um, but something that looks like it should, like you sh- think it should work, doesn't always work out that way. That's the whole moral of that story. So you really got to figure out those areas and, and how they
1: work.
2: Yeah. And you made some great points there because, you know, let's just say last year it didn't really work out for you. But, you know, there was a small window where you're like, man, that was really on fire. And now you run a soaker camera in there this year where maybe it shows a little something different. Or it shows exactly what it showed the year before. Then guess what? Year three, Aaron's dialed. Got that spot dialed. It's in the back pocket. I've learned everything I need. But that's the power of a soaker camera. And boy, can they be hard not to check. I mean, because... Mm -hmm. I used to, you know, want to put a soaker camera out sometime in the fall and let it sit. But now I've got to the point that I'll put a soaker camera out in July and I won't pull them until well after the season. And sometimes like the like the exact situation that you just talked about, it gave me just enough where I'm like, you know what? i'm going to put it back on that tree again next year or there's also spots where it's like you run it for two years because some you know for me a lot of the stuff it's like okay the food cycle around here i gotta give it at least two years because the the food is constantly changing and after two years if it's still shit maybe it's just shit just the way it is Mm -hmm. maybe i read the whole thing wrong but you know those soaker cameras and spots like that they're they're so beneficial on, you know, sometimes like those really overlooked spots where you've done your scouting and you're like, it looks pretty good, but I'm not too sure if it, if I, if I'd throw a sit at it. Yeah. And you put that camera in there, just let it run for half a year and it may show you everything you want or, it, you know, it may not show you anything, but that's, that's good information too, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you know, crappy information, still information you know, especially for, you know, when you're trying to, you know, really dial in an area. But yeah, it's those spots are always interesting, man. It's sometimes it's like you, you find them and you put a camera on them and you're like, dude, why didn't I do this 10 years ago?
0: Yeah, no, I agree. And that's, you know, I know we we've done a lot of this based on ag today, and maybe we'll just keep this to ag and maybe we'll do Next Friday, we'll do like we'll break down big, big hill country in our camera set. Like, maybe that might be the best way to do it because I know we're at an hour right now. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, this there's so many, so many different ways to do it. And I think the biggest, like I was saying, the biggest thing that I had to learn is, um, not every, not everything is obviously treated or, uh, treated equally and just like not every scrape is treated equally um that same thing goes to to boot for these little terrain features and and these things that look like they should be how many times have you walked around and you're like man it'd be beautiful to kill a deer in here like this is picture perfect and everything and you you get in there learn the area you sit it and you just it just does not pan out i mean what 90 percent of the time probably you know (laughs) i mean
2: so uh, here's an example if it has the perfect tree it's probably not gonna spy you'll kill one
0: (laughs) exactly so it's like just just figuring that out learning it using it as a three-year plan like david was saying you know like keep running cameras in it and in three years hopefully you'll have the answer that you need but also like um don't in ag, ag country don't overlook the most obscure thing. You know, um, it it could be an old barn, abandoned barn out in the middle of a section. You know, I've got a situation where that is, and mm-hmm. I had a doe and fawn living in it two years ago, and watched them come out of it every night. You know what I mean? And would literally come out of the barn, and there was a piece of old farm equipment in there. You know, it's just those little crazy things that you, you don't want to overlook. And I, I love hunting ag. I love being able to see, I love to see deer do deer mm-hmm. things. Um, you learn more about deer, I feel like, and it's it's got its challenges because I don't know how many times I've set up on deer and they come out at 300 yards and you're like, okay, well, Hopefully he makes it over here because I can't push it any farther. You know what I mean? It's more of a chess match. I love that chess match. You know, it's, oh, yeah. it's really neat.
2: Yep. And it's it's those little spots. is It's those ditches that gets them to a certain age, but it's also like the ditches that you love to try to hunt. You know, one thing we didn't talk about much, actually two things I have here in my notes is, I tell you what, here in farm country, you know, when it's real flat, you won't get this. But when you get farm country butted up to swamp country, you get yourself, a, you know, a cornfield that's got a swale out in it. You know, I'm talking, you know, a type of swale that, you know, a few ducks could kind of land in kind of swale. Huh. That hard to hunt? Oh, absolutely, because it's not a big enough tree to, you know, hanging from there. But you talk about a, an absolute, you know, hole for a buck to hide in all summer there you go yeah. but you know you talked about crab apples but you you find yourself you know a few wild apple trees out there and some of those you know those ditches or those those fence rows you get that thing to start dropping at the right time you can pretty much bet every deer in that neighborhood will be there picking those apples up as fast as they drop off that tree
0: mm-hmm yep No, I agree, man. I got one more question for you, um, before we wrap it up. And like I said, guys, we'll, we'll, you know, next Friday we'll do like a hill country breakdown and how we do that in hill country and stuff like that. So I think that'd be kind of neat how to, to segregate it and and keep it separate. But, um, one question for you. So it's getting to the time where we're going to be starting to put cameras out and everything. And, um, what are three to five items you need in your pack? uh you think you need in your pack no matter when you're like going out to deploy cameras some things that you want to make sure you have in there in any scenario might arise like something that you can fix or you know i don't know three to five items that you need to have in your pack when deploying cameras
2: Okay. So the, a lot of listeners probably are already heard me talk on the podcast and I, I'm really dialed in at having all my trail camera, you know, the batteries, SD cards, straps, everything is dialed locks, everything are dialed ready to go. But what I will carry extra, when I start deploying all these cameras, I'm going to carry at least eight extra double A batteries, eight extra, like a brand new pack. I'm going to, um, i i don't even know what kind of they're like a pelican case but they actually hold sd cards i'm always going to carry one of those full of like brand new formatted sd cards even though all my cameras already have them because when i'm hanging that camera if all of a sudden if i flip it on and it's it's giving me some kind of error or something i i need to be able to have those for backup just in case so eight AA batteries extra sd cards a handsaw is an absolute must Okay, I use a wicked tree tree gear handsaw. No doubt, that's going to be my pack at all times. I am going to carry shit. I don't even know how much. I'm going to carry paracord with me. I'm going to carry a pretty good amount because you can bet I will be I will be doctoring up some scrapes out there. So paracord, and I'm probably going to take at least twenty zip ties with me. And you know, this would be this would be kind of what my pack would look like if i'm headed out to hang three or four trail cameras so paracord handsaw sd card a- extra sd card can- or sd cards for backup extra batteries the zip ties i'm usually carrying a, a you know a, a spray bottle of the uh buck fever forehead uh synthetic gland and uh i'm always got a uh climbing stick with me because I'm gonna hang all my cameras but that six to eight foot tall and oh this one one thing I do also carry I always carry my my lock keys my trail camera lock keys just because if you set it and all of a sudden you don't like it. You do not want to be stuck out there with a lock trail camera. And I also always carry. I have an iPhone, so I use an SD card reader. I always carry that just if I need to double check. Like when I hang that trail camera, I don't want to have to come back. That thing has to be working mm-hmm. perfectly for me, you know. So, yep. and I I probably clear out my my trail camera um, viewing area a lot bigger than maybe a lot of people do because I don't I don't want anything you know obstructing the the trail camera. So. Or how about you? Great question. Uh
0: a lot of the same things you're doing. I'll I'll just I'll just add on. Um I'm taking uh peanut butter crackers with me because you always gotta have something a little 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 nibble. Um just uh just a little sleeve of those. Uh obviously some water, you know, because I'm just trying to be a little I I'm, I'm taking the things you're taking, but I'm also mm-hmm. just trying to think of some other things. I like to take a um a multi tool. You know, like a mm. like a Leatherman or something like that. Yep, yep. It's always in my pack. It's always a backup. If for some reason my handsaw gets not is not in my pack or something like that, a multi tool can can work in a pinch. Um,
2: that's that's uh, that's yeah. a great that's a great idea.
0: That thing never comes out of my pack. That is one mm-hmm. thing that's I even like that. in my hunting pack. Um, and the other thing is like okay, so now everybody knows. That, I mean, the jury's out. Like double a batteries are ridiculously priced now Mm -hmm. and i'm using a lot of the exodus sp18 um solar panels this year i used i used one last year really liked how it performed and i actually i'm testing one out right now i think i'm in at least month number two and i deliberately went out and put shitty like power cell double a batteries in the the camera it's a new rival and I put a solar panel on it. So I'm just really like testing that out right now as well. But man, pound for pound, man, that is a good way to save in the long run is those solar panels. I will say like sometimes like I have a problem trying to hide the bastards because they just, they sometimes they look kind of cumbersome up there. But I'll tell you, like if you leave it out there long enough, the deer are going to get used to it. And I did make a mistake. I didn't put it high enough in the tree, like the camera. And I put it right at deer level and they were freaking all over it the first day. Cause I had all my scent on it and I'm like, what an idiot. But you know, it's in an area where I can go and move it real quick and I need to, but uh, the the SB 18, and I'm always taking uh, at least one or two extra cam buckle straps. You never know if you need like a cam buckle strap or something like that in a pinch and uh, maybe a camera, uh, strap breaks and you need one. I usually, usually always take that. So those are some things that I, I have in my pack.
2: Yep. Yeah. I, I thought I had one more when you are talking there and th- this is not fun to use at all, but it is, it makes life more enjoyable if they're bad is I will carry a mosquito head net with me because <laughs> those years when they are terrible, listen. My biggest trail camera mistake that I have made in the past is being in a hurry in the summertime. Mosquitoes are bad. You're sweating like crazy. You know you've been all over the poison ivy. You know what you can feel it setting in, trying to get home, thinking about how good that or how, how good it sounds, that cold beer. That when you're in a hurry you, When you get home, you knew you're in a hurry and you will regret the job that you did. So I will carry a mosquito head net. It is hard to see. <laughs> like You're walking through the woods. You can't see shit. Feel like a fly out there with those eyes, you know, but mosquito head net. I will take one of those.
0: That's a good call. Good call. Well, cool. I think we're going to cut this one loose, guys. Uh, go to fallpodcast.com and go to the merch store. Uh, we, we're selling a lot of merch, which is great. We just got done doing a giveaway, which was awesome. A lot of people bought stuff. Um, the AB hat, I will tell you, I just had to order some more because we are almost out of stock. The AB <laughs> hat is rivaling rivaling the Riley right now, so that means I think AB is going to be getting some free beers up at uh, tack from david yeah. i think <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's the way it's looking but you know what buddy i'll take it i'll take it we'll yep. take the business and all the support no doubt
0: heck yeah i i can't thank you guys enough we're gonna be david and i are gonna be doing um some more hat design stuff patch hats and everything just a little different than what we have but we're, we're gonna get kind of creative with this and and we love hats him and i love hats and everybody that's bottom i mean so we went through i mean the, the 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 logo hat the embroidered logo hat it took six days those were sold out and then the ab the riley one is almost sold out so i'm gonna have to order more of them i mean we're talking you know 10 days and we went through a pile of hats mm-hmm. like boy people are liking their hats so I, I want to do some <laughs> different uh, different designs and stuff like that we're gonna get creative but um, there'll be some some stuff coming down the pipeline so be ready for that and and always go to iTunes and, and Spotify leave a five star rating and leave a written review that's always greatly appreciated yeah can't thank you guys enough and uh, we're just gonna cut this one loose and thank you guys very much have a great holiday weekend David do you have anything to wrap it up with
2: no i just thanks everyone for all the support we're seeing right now it's it's uh it's great to see for sure
0: yeah for sure awesome guys have a great and uh safe holiday weekend we'll be right here next time on the fall podcast